Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. We have one of my favorite episodes of the season prep, ready to lay down tonight. Uh, I'm fired up for this one. Andy, how are you doing on this beautiful summer Wednesday afternoon? Was that a Shatner impression? I liked all the, all the staccato and pausing. <laughs> it got me excited. Got the blood pumping. Yes, we are. I was looking forward to this one too. It's one of those where when we prepped for the preseason, the preseason preparation pods, when we did our little meeting, this one went without saying, well, but of course, yes, we're going to do this. And yeah, I'm jacked. I like this one. You got your pretty colorful chart. I'm looking at both of them, AFC and NFC. We're going to do some schedule analyzing analysis tonight and just discuss it. Yeah, yeah. I like this, man. We're going to analyze the schedule. We're going to evaluate it. We're going to assess it. Um, This is an enormously important part of my kind of process and preparation for an NFL season. This will be the fourth year that I've uh, kind of made it into a graphic and shared it with uh, the folks who listen and follow along. Um, and you know, it, the you're basic, you're welcome, welcome people. You're welcome. Uh, I, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a, a, a deep dive, uh, branding. This is this, this year's schedule, uh, situational schedule release is sponsored by the deep dive podcast. Subscribe and listen, uh, anywhere you get your podcast. Um, the, um, the basic, issues at play here are over the course of the 17 weeks of the NFL season, even though it is a relatively short season that there are only 16 games per team. It is very rare that teams basically go wire to wire uh, in terms of being amazing week one and carrying that level of performance all the way through, through week 17 uh, and one of the things that, you know, has an enormous first order impact on kind of team performance over the course of the season is not just who they're playing in terms of difficulty, but when they're playing those teams, where they're playing those teams, what they've done the week before and the week after, uh, in the context of all of the kind of ups and downs that come along with, a, a, you know, an NFL season schedule really kind of help influence the trajectory that a team goes on from week one to week 17. And you can, in large part, get a sense of all of this before any games are played just by doing some schedule analysis. And so we'll do that tonight. Uh, We'll post this uh, sheet tomorrow so you can follow along and, and do your own uh, homework. If it's, you know, maybe some of the stuff we, you know, we say and, and feel like is important, you have already done some back testing on and have dismissed it. Uh, or you think it's already reasonably well captured in the market. And so it's worth ignoring. I mean, all, all of those are very reasonable takes and points. There may be some very key angles that you think influence, uh, you know, create edges that aren't accounted on here that you can add for yourself. But regardless, uh, this is kind of an exercise in going beyond just who's playing who. How tough is your schedule based on last year's win losses? How tough is your schedule based on this year's projected wins? Uh, you know, this is much more about kind of, you know, what parts of the season look especially difficult? What parts look easy? Who do we want to buy stock in now, expecting that they, because they have a soft landing? Who are we circling, you know, for weeks eight, nine, and 10 
to try to scoop value on because they'll be coming off the most difficult parts of the season. You know, this is the these are the things that you you ought to be thinking about to go along with your week by week betting, in my opinion. And uh, we executed this to perfection yes. last year, in my opinion. So, what do you what, any uh, any? I like yeah, I liked what you said about the yeah the scooping of value. We did a little of that, and I I do wonder how much we can actually ascertain on. You know, circling spots in the schedule to start lumping in on a team. Let's say it'd be like, I think this is a good team. I've handicapped this team to be a playoff team, but they've got a very rough patch at the beginning of the schedule. I mean, this is the most simplistic example I can think of. Really tough schedule. They might make it out of the first five or six, like two and four. I still peg them to make the playoffs with a you know a soft schedule in the back half. It's so hard to peg all the different teams properly to really tell that like that soft schedule is indeed going to be soft and it's a good spot to grab that team. I think we we had a couple teams circled like that when we did this last year, and we didn't really end up getting on them, but it, a team that we did end up looking at, and a big part of it was going and looking at this schedule matrix later on, once you have information about all the teams in the league, was uh, Indianapolis. After their start, and what we actually thought about the team that we saw on you know on the field every week and looking at their stats and looking at their progression from week one to whenever we started to take some notice. And then we did look at the schedule and said, this is doable. This team could win the division. This team could make the playoffs. This team has a turnaround in it. And, uh, you know, this turned out to be a, a useful tool once we actually got into the season to do some forward projecting on teams that we thought, you know, had a decent shot at a turnaround or maybe the other way even. Whether, you know, maybe there's a team you think is going to quickly head in the other direction. They're an undeserved top team at that point. And maybe it's time to look at somebody else in their division to back to win the division at a nice, sexy plus number. <laughs> yeah, the two that I would have brought up as the best examples, the one that we nailed from Jump Street uh, when we did this podcast last year was Green Bay. Um, they had a stretch in the middle of their season where they had four road games out of five weeks and all four road games were, you know, by coastal and against like legit tough teams. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they definitely had road games against Seattle Patriots, Vikings, and somebody else who was expected to be good. I can't remember, but you know, we looked at that and we were like, you know what, like they're going to take some lumps there. Maybe they go two and two, maybe they go one and three. Uh, but it's going to be tough. Uh, and, you know, if they have a crew enough wins in the early part of their season that that part of the season doesn't, you know, squash them, then would be a decent time to buy. And it turned out they went, I think, like 0-4 on that stretch. Like, it was bad. Uh, you know, or, you know, or one, they went 1-4. There was an injury, four. yeah. There was, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you know, they, they I'm not sure how um, healthy he was. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I think they, they definitely, um, you know, it, it, it helped keep us from putting too much down on the Packers before the season started, because we were like, you know what, we'll wait for the right time to jump on this team because there's going to be a time where they're in the middle of the pack, so to speak, no pun intended. And, uh, it turned out that they were at the bottom of the pack and there really was no chance of them. And so we, you know, we saved ourselves some, some skin there. Um, similarly, I remember this was all credit to you after three weeks of the season were in the books. Uh, the chargers were one and two last year. They had two losses to the chiefs and the Rams. 
you know, and we were recording our week four podcast and you were like, you know, look at the charity schedule over the next like five weeks. Like this is, you know, they could conceivably go five and out here and, you know, then they'll be sitting at six and two with their only two losses to two teams who we think might be the best two teams in the league. And I was like, Oh shit, you're right. And I think at that time they were like 25 to one or something uh, to win the AFC. And you were like, we should probably just grab some of that and, you know, watch them win, you know, go on a, on a tear here. And that manifests almost exactly the way you laid it out that week, if I remember correctly. And uh, sure enough, the, the chargers were an enormous value to have in our pocket uh, come playoff time. So that was great. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think we can probably identify some, some pretty interesting um, you know, similar kind of value and, and concern, uh, repeating our effort, looking at the schedule for this season. You ready to get into this? Yeah, I, I had forgotten half of these that we like, and again, to reiterate what I said about like, yeah, it's great for us. And we're going to lay out some spots that we're going to keep an eye on, but this is going to be so important to use throughout the season because there's so many factors that can just blow up a team. You get some quarterback injuries and a whole division can reset. And this is, this is going to be such a useful tool, these charts and just this knowledge and, you know, the, the ability to, to look at these schedules and do some forward forecasting after there's a major change in the league to, to look at like who has an advantageous schedule going forward to back now that I have to fade this team. Hmm. Like yes. we, we do find a lot more value in, in season once we get to it. And I think we will be referencing back to this a lot during the season. And, and we did that last year too. Yep. Yep. I agree with you. Um, so let's talk about, you know, some of these, uh, some of these situational spots that have been highlighted here. Um, and let's go, you know, let's, uh, let's go, with uh, the most basic first and talk about buys and the, and the fact that, um, you know, when you get your buy matters, how many teams who are coming off of their buy that you play matters. You know, every time you're playing a team coming off their buy, you're at a rest disadvantage of at least six or seven days. Um, that is important in the NFL where rest is kind of key for, you know, kind of being, a um, you know, a distinguishing factor of two relatively evenly strength teams. Uh, and so first and foremost, uh, it's important to highlight, okay, well, here's every team's buy, uh, and this is the team they get to face coming off of their buy. Um, and I like doing that just to kind of get a sense of, you know, like a team like Baltimore, great example. They are looking at their schedule and looking their chops at uh, taking on the Patriots at home in week nine coming off of their bye. Um, you know, those types of you know situations that set up for specific teams against, you know, against kind of high profile opponents in this case, the defending champs and the absolutely hated new England Patriots. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's interesting to kind of know, you know, when those situations manifest relative to, Oh, they're going to have a whole extra week to prepare for that. <laughs> so um, that was an interesting one that popped here. Um, you know, there's not a ton of like surprises or weirdness about the buys. Um, and again, our, you know, our general understanding and thought process about buys is after a couple weeks, especially after, you know, after the first week of buys, really, maybe after even maybe maybe it takes till the second week. Um, but after those first couple weeks, the fact that a team is coming off the buy and that they have extra rest, 
I believe will be 100% priced into the market and the, and the opening number you see. Um, is that reasonable some assumption heading into this year, Andy, that uh, come, you know, the first buys are week four. So we'll have teams coming off buys week five. People will talk about it. People will recognize it. And then by week six at the latest, um, the market will account for, oh, these teams are coming off by. We're going to adjust their, you know, their opening spread. So instead of a true power number, it's going to reflect some delta that uh, accounts for the team coming off the buy having extra rest. Does that, does that jive? Yeah, no, not only does that jive, but you know, we, we've had discussions about this with zero information to back up theories, but it makes you wonder, and I've wondered a lot about this in the last couple of days as we've discussed it, the the Sunday morning money, the, the public money that pours in, like, will there, is there an influx on teams coming off a of buy? Like, you know, the people wake up and the people that haven't looked at the NFL all week and they say, oh, I'm going to bet a bunch of stuff and like, oh, oh, we got uh you know, we, we've got Buffalo off a bye playing Miami. I better just take them. They're extra rest. Like, is there just, is there just this stupid influx of money on Sundays? And I do want to I do want to kind of track that because that will be super interesting to see because it, it may present, if that's something that's actually happening, because it seems logical enough, there may present a little bit of value on the other side if it's something you were looking at anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah and then also, I, yeah, I, I mean, quickly, I, I mean, the answer is yes. Yeah. And my mind wandered. How are we going yeah. to, in the future, how are you going to price the second buy-in when we move to 18 games? Oh, jeez, God. Um, yeah, well. We need to talk uh, we'll to have, CFL we'll cappers more, about that. They have like we'll, four buys. We'll have more data, uh, so that'll be good, um, you know, after a year or two. Uh, but, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think there, you know, there for sure is a kind of a bookmaker adjustment for coming off a buy. Uh, I don't think all teams are created equally. Um, my gut reaction without really combing through the data, because it's it's really difficult to know what the adjustment is before the market gets a hold of it, right? Like whatever, you know, what, whatever you, you know, we, we are, we're going to do it, do, we're going to do our due diligence, keeping track of the Vegas power numbers using the, you know, the approach we outlined last week. Uh, and, you know, we should be able to spot this sort of stuff and we should be able to kind of have a confirmatory, okay, the opener was four power numbers from last week with reasonable adjustments would have guessed three. That means there's a point added for the buy. Um, I think there's probably some gamesmanship on the part of the bookmakers in terms of where they open these numbers. I think they probably expect kind of like you've laid out that at some point, Maybe not right away, but at some point there will be an influx of public money uh, coming in on the more rested team. Uh, and they probably set lines with the extra half point or a point in a way that they are putting themselves in you know, on the right on the on the preferred side of a key number. Does that make sense? I start to get real skeptical, and maybe it's me like is this like a reverse bias bias where it's like, that's such a kind of without being a dick here, like you know, that's such a thing I used to think when I was such a noob, like oh the books oh, sure. are setting a trap, you know. Yeah, you, right. You, that and that's where I'm trying to I'm trying to fight against, like because what you're saying it, it doesn't it doesn't completely I don't want to dismiss it logically at all, but it it just falls so close to that territory that I 
I'd almost need to see some data on that. But I get what you're saying. It's just that's why I'm fighting against it because it, it's it sounds so close to like uh, the books are setting it up. But at the same time, they're not dumb. Like they they can you know you you think you're getting good at reading the market. They're pretty fucking good too. Like they yeah, know right. where the money's going to come in. They do have to set numbers in certain spots, just knowing. I mean, I've heard I've heard enough bookmakers say it in interviews. Like you know, we know where we're going to have to put this number. It's not always a hundred percent just based on power numbers. Like the it, so it's a thing. Like uh, so in in conclusion, the results are inconclusive. But I think you're onto something. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think you know, I think you know, my my envisioning of how this goes down is there's smart people who understand the market, who understand key numbers, sitting around a room, and they're like, okay, our power numbers say um, that Buffalo hosting Miami should be Buffalo minus three. Uh, they're coming off of a buy. Um, let's make an adjustment to Buffalo. Um, or uh, let me let me change my example. Let's say that it is still, again, Buffalo versus Miami Week 7. Uh, Buffalo's hosting. Let's say they're, for whatever reason, Buffalo underachieves. Miami's doing better than people think. The power numbers would suggest Buffalo should be minus 2. And I think they all look at each other. Okay, well, we need to make an adjustment for them coming off the bye. Should we make, you know, our our data and our, you know, our analytics would say it would be one point uh, for this team. So do we hang Buffalo minus 3? I think they probably say, actually, you know what? We are we get, we are in a good position here where we can actually charge an extra half point, knowing that at some point Buffalo money is going to roll in here uh, because the narrative will catch you know catch you know have teeth and catch hold, and people will say, you know, oh, Buffalo's off by their host Miami. We're back in Buffalo, just kind of like you laid out for that Sunday morning scenario. So you know, I, I think where they can kind you know of what I position think themselves while well, they do, yeah. Everybody except the South Point. God bless them. I think a lot of bookmakers, when they have something like that, they just index it. Oh, index it. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. Because because, I mean, so many people aren't going to notice. They're like, "Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting the three. I'm getting the three. I'm not worried about the three and a half." But minus one. Oh yeah, you got the three at minus one twenty or one one twenty five. Even even minus one twenty sucks. You know. Yeah. Right. So I, I think sometimes when they when they do see something like that where. God, that's that's interesting. That'll be interesting to kind of look at too. Oh yeah, we're gonna and, keep very close. And, you know, not everybody, no but no there there is some because I feel like some of that indexing is just shit like that. It's like they're just gonna catch people not not catch people napping. Yeah, like uh, yeah. I got a good number. Yeah, well, you paid twenty cents. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, like it's, it's not like. It's not like active trap setting. It's simply, it's simple kind of best practices for risk management, really. <laughs> like this is, yeah, okay, we're gonna put, we're gonna set ourselves up here in an advantage situation to the degree we can, because, you know, we, you know, we know that this, you know, this will incite some public action. So, um, yeah, okay. Well, so all, all told, um, knowing about buys is much more about, you know, for, for week by week handicapping is much more about just reflecting that the, it's priced in in some way and having some kind of plan or approach for how you're going to evaluate it with your model. Right. And, you know, I, I have an adjustment that I make to my, um, to my power, uh, not my power numbers, but to my, um, you know, expectation percentages for, you know, when you have at you know rest advantage, I have a specific sliding scale where I'm saying, okay, well, if you're 
you know, rest advantage is blank, then you're, you know, relatively your offense is going to look this much better and your defense is going to look this much better. And I marry it all into my projection in a way that is, you know, repeatable and, and, and quantitative as opposed to just saying, okay, well, we'll we're going to move it up a point because of the buy. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of my general approach. Um, the flip side of this teams facing an opponent off of a buy is um, all over the place. Uh, I will give the NFL um, some credit this year uh, compared to the last two years for balancing out who has to play rested teams a little bit more effectively across all teams this year than what we saw two years ago and last year. Two years ago was wild. Like, I will never forget the Giants played like five teams coming off of a bye, and then they were like, you know, there were like 10 AFC teams that never had to play anyone coming off a bye. It was like totally weird and, and lopsided between conferences. And then the Giants, for whatever reason, just got wildly punished. Um, this year, it's reasonably balanced between conferences. There are slightly more teams in the AFC playing teams coming off of a bye. Um, and I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams that do not ever have to play anyone coming off of a bye. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, aside from Kansas City and the Chargers, none of the teams that were given that luxury of not having to play a rested team were playoff teams last year. So they're kind of doing, I think they're doing this actively where they're trying to kind of, a little you know, balancing. A little, a little parity, a little balancing. Uh, Chargers and the Chiefs, neither of them have to t- play anyone coming off of the bye. But other than that, every playoff team looks like they got um, you know, they got, uh, you know, they got their turn in the barrel, so to speak. Um, a couple of teams got it real bad. Um, Philadelphia and new England are the two that stick out the most clearly. Um, not, not only do both Philly and new England have to play three teams coming off of a bye. Uh, they have to play each other coming off of a bye. So effectively, their rest advantage that you can count on during the course of the season will not be materializing. Uh, this happens from time to time every year. Um, and I don't think it matters a ton. Um, but, uh, you know, you do kind of like to look at your schedule and think, oh, well, we have that one that's a gimme coming off our bye playing a team that we're better than. Uh, and you can't necessarily say that either Philly or New England will feel that way week 11 coming off their bye playing each other. So that was interesting. Um, the only other example of that situation this year is New Orleans and Atlanta, interestingly enough, who we think will likely be in some sort of death battle for the NFC South. The first time they play each other is week 10 coming off of the bye. So that's a, that is an interesting little scenario there. Uh, and, um, you know, those four teams will be without a rest, a significant rest advantage for one of their games. Um, do you think that matters at all? Yeah, I think it all matters. And I think just like everything else we're doing here, it's all contextual as far as, it matters differently to different teams who are going to be in different situations in different parts of the seasons when they run into this, but it still, it still does matter. And I think dismissing it would be stupid. Yeah. You do need to take it into account. Yeah. Um, yep. 
I'm staring at these yellow ones. You don't have yellow marked. Yellow's international, I know. But yeah, it's just I mean, it what was you, do you want to get to something else next? I wanna I can't, No, I, I wanna point I out. Know, two I things. just kinda wanna I've been that's been bogging me. Like the the UK thing and First off, I want to say we had some really good interactions with the last few pods. A lot of comments, DMs, even some emails. Somebody left a review that was hilarious. If you want to leave a hilarious review, just make sure it has five stars so we read it. Um, but I, I'd love to hear some people chime in on how they feel about this. We, we had a little bit of a debate, and it did not get contentious. This is a nice, easy debate. But we were debating the UK games. And obviously, if they take away one of your home games and you have to travel to the United Kingdom or Mexico, for that matter, if you lose a home game, that sucks. That hurts you. That is a huge demerit. That's a huge knock against just uh, the overall possibility of success because you lost 12% of your home games. But if you lose an away game, if your away game just turns from, you know, maybe flying to a different coast to going to England instead is what is the trade off for it? Because we talked about this. So rather than going to, let's say, even maybe it's a divisional foe, because some of these are divisional games, uh, Houston Jacksonville is, instead of facing a divisional foe and having to face, you know, a rowdy crowd when you're on offense, let's say you're down at one of the end zones, it's getting real loud in an enclosed stadium, possibly. Rather than that, you go to, you know, bumblefuck England, and it's a bunch of people wearing random jerseys from retired players and teams that don't exist anymore with defunct logos, and they're just excited to be watching anything. And it, it you take the crowd completely out of it in that regard, but then, of course, you do have to travel, like, five times as far. I don't know if that math is accurate at all, but I will say England is a lot further than Cincinnati. So... Like, and I, I guess, Whale, let's just get your thoughts on the record because we talked a little off air, but I feel like it's it's maybe close to a wash because it really sucks playing against a hostile crowd. And it's nice to not have that. But at the same time, the travel to the UK can really screw a team over. And we've seen some teams, and that's the next point to get to, we've seen some teams really bumble the travel. And we've been yeah. able to take advantage of it. God bless it. I hope there's some teams that continue to bumble the travel because now that the, the news gets out quickly about when they're traveling, it makes some decisions pretty easy. There's some candidates for teams that are going to bumble yeah. the travel. I'm looking oh, at the rim. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, Raiders. Um, okay. So uh, my I'm looking at thoughts. a team without a GM. Yeah, I'm looking at teams. Yeah, yeah that's another good one. Um, okay. So the, the, the couple of thoughts. So f- we have four. London games, one game in Mexico City. Let's set the Mexico City game aside for the time being. And let's look at the four London games. Jags have a home game taken away for their London, for their matchup against Houston, which will occur in London. This is an interesting situation because the Jags have overperformed in that game year over year. With the exception of last year where they kind of had completely melted early in the season and they were playing Philly and the players were all in London partying like the night before the game. Um, like that last year aside in general, the Jags perform fairly well in London either has to do with them being kind of attuned to the travel to England 
or they actually feel like they have somewhat of a home field advantage because they've gone enough times year over year that people there do have Jags jerseys and know the Jags players and probably you know if they have if they feel like they have an allegiance to a team maybe it's the Jaguars um, so I think the Jags are, are, are an exception to kind of truly losing a home game. The other three teams that lost a home game, Rams, Raiders, and Bucks, they got screwed. Like that absolutely sucks that, okay, exactly like you said, you know, instead of having a home losing, game. Losing now, a home game is awful. It's awful, right? And on top of that, if you're the Raiders and the Rams, instead of being at home and comfortable in LA or, or the Bay area, you got to fly to freaking England to play. Like that's, that's, that is wild. That is wildly difficult travel. Um, and so those situations absolutely suck. Tampa Bay the same sort of story. Um, and the flip side of that, you have Chicago, um, Cincinnati, and, uh, who was the last one? Uh, shit. Who did? Oh, Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. Uh, and Carolina. You know, I think you know. I, I would. I would. I'll take Carolina, Tampa Bay as the example here because I think you're exactly right. Like that crowd will be dead neutral. There will be, you know, there will be, um, you know, uh, London. What was the? What was, what was the? There'll be some NFL Europe jerseys in attendance for sure. <laughs> uh, the, you know. the Frankfurt Galaxy. Frankfurt Galaxy. Thank, thank you. That's a good one. I forgot. About the Rhine Fire. The Rhine Fire. There will be some NFL Europe jerseys for sure. That will be a totally neutral crowd. And I think that the travel is pretty equal for Carolina and Tampa Bay in that scenario. Right? Like, yeah, there's no a clear and obvious advantage unless Tampa Bay does something dumb and goes, you know, on Friday, whereas Carolina goes early and, and the climate acclimates. And so, you know, you, you said this in the preview, which is if you're keeping your ear to the ground and if you're sussing out those nuggets of team planning and team kind of strategy for travel and acclimation, then, you know, that can be and that can be the deciding factor in the handicap. Um, but, you know, I think Carolina, which you know, had a true away game on their schedule against a divisional opponent in Tampa Bay now doesn't because they're going to London to play Tampa Bay in a neutral setting uh, where they both, you know, all, a lot, all of the disadvantages of having to travel, the flying, the not staying at home, the, you know, the, the time change affect both teams equally if they, you know, if they have the same strategy for acclimations. So, you know, I, I think that that, you know, for the likes of Carolina, for the likes of Cincinnati, uh, and for likes of the Chicago, I think they basically only play seven road games, seven true road games this year. And I, I still, it's one of those things where it seems like a trite, silly, novice thing to say, well, Jacksonville plays over there all the time. But uh, I mean, it, it's true. Like, it's still, it does work. It's not something you can just easily dismiss as like too simplistic. They understand the travel, they, they know what they're doing. It's just like old hand to them. There's nothing, it's almost like routine now. Like there is something to be said for that. And there is also something to be said for the familiarity with the fans. You feel like there's probably a lot of repeat fans. Like there's, there are people who get into this in London and they're excited to see these NFL games and they might even have some Jacksonville Jaguar fans. And if they can get a crowd built where it does almost give them a little bit of an advantage where if the crowd can get their shit together, you can fit like 80,000 people in Wembley. Like yeah, you, oh, yeah. you could develop a little bit of a Jacksonville crowd over there. Hardly bumble I think two of them are at the, the new. 
Yeah, yeah, I know it. I, I feel bad calling. Well, I mean, the north side, they, they got to go to the Tottenham, the new Tottenham Stadium for a couple. Oh, yeah, of that's I true. think only that's true. Tour in Wembley, tour in the new the new Hotspur Stadium, which. Boy, I might get skewered by the British people. Tottenham's on the other side, right? <laughs> North London Derby. Derby. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and hopefully, what what um remind me what kept us from playing in Mexico last year? Field was it the they had a concert? They had a concert. And the field and just got ripped up. Yes, yes, yes. It rained, they think it, it rained and rained and rained. They had a concert and the field got destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of looking forward to that. It yeah. did offer some interesting opportunities for books that did not cancel bets. So that well, if you yeah, that, if you if you wanted fun. to see two high powered offenses play at altitude in Mexico City, uh, you're going to get your chance this year because they're sending the Chargers and the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs were supposed to go last year. Chiefs are going this year uh, again, barring some weird field nonsense. Um, but you know, this hurts. Uh, this hurts the Chargers uh, a bit. Um, you know, granted the Chargers do not have any semblance of a home field advantage, uh, at, uh, the StubHub center or whatever it's called now. Um, and you know, you would think maybe, maybe in Mexico city, people like the Chargers just because they've been, you know, San Diego for so long and now LA, like maybe there is some right allegiance. Right ball, yeah, which is not close to Mexico City, but we digress. Um, the um, so yeah, I mean, you know, no, we you know, made we know. made the joke off air too, as far as like LA finally getting out of their soccer stadium <laughs> to, to heading another to soccer, soccer stadium. stadium. Yep, <laughs> the Stadio Azteca. Um, I think the trip is probably farther for the Chargers than it is for the Chiefs, uh, and this is potentially an enormously consequential. Head to head, you know the AFC West is going to come down to the two head to heads between the Chiefs and the Chargers. I I am maybe more certain of that than almost any other take across the NFL heading into this season. Um, not buying either the you know either the Broncos or the Raiders as contenders. So it's going to come down to these two games between the Chiefs and the Chargers. And if you take the one uh, kind of home game away from the Chargers and put it on a neutral down in uh, Estadio Azteca at elevation, where you know. The high flying air, you know, I mean, the thin air. I mean, there, you know, gosh, Pat Mahomes is going to throw it out of the damn stadium. Uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait to see it. And um, it does tilt things in the in advantage uh, in advantage Chiefs, uh, which again, you know, you look at the Chiefs schedule overall. It's pretty easy. Uh, not a lot of disadvantage spots on the schedule. They don't have to. We already said it. They don't have to play anyone coming off by. Um, they're the only slight note about the Mexico City game, uh, Chargers are going to have a little extra rest because they play Oakland at Oakland on Thursday before they head down to Mexico City. So they're going to have a 10-day prep, which is nice. Uh, and, um, you know, that may kind of reestablish some advantage for them in that one that they would lose by, you know, the travel issues. But, um, you know, that the the week 17 game is probably the one that really popped the most to me because the chargers have to go at KC week 17. Presumably that's to decide the division. The fact that it's in cold arrowhead uh, and you're sending a, a, an, an LA team uh, in to play an early game uh, in the frigid cold uh, is 
problematic. Um, so I'm, I'm, it all looking at this analysis has kind of cooled my jets a lot on the Chargers. To be honest, I was kind of disappointed when I kind of broke it all down. Yeah, we did. We did a little half-ass exercise on like figuring out how so you know the balance of power shifts in the AFC, and it just kind of and you never know anything can happen i mean mahomes could shred his acl in the preseason things change quickly quarterbacks go down huge injuries happen but i mean if if nothing wild happens uh it would not surprise me in the least to see the exact same afc title game mm-hmm. Just yeah the patriots the page i mean we looked at the patriots schedule it's not that tough kansas city even with a even with a decent regression is still a double-digit win team with a high-powered offense where nobody got suspended. We'll just leave that at that. And, yeah, it's it's looking like two teams that hate each other yeah, on a collision the Patriots, course. The Patriots just have a stupid easy schedule year over year because their division is so uh, so much weaker. Uh, you know, they're, they're so clearly the, the class of the East. Um, there is, it is worth noting that they, you know, the Jets will be not walkovers, but they're still not going to be good. Yeah. Right. And you know, that they, uh, the, um, AFC East is matched up with the, um, uh, AFC North, uh, and the AFC North is going to be good. I mean, the, the, the Browns, Bengals, the Browns, uh, Ravens and Steelers are all bona fide NFL teams. Those that's real competition. Uh, and they get the Steelers week one for the banner rays. Um, I actually think that that is advantage Steelers because the, you know, I, I think the Patriots would prefer to have four cupcakes to start the season where they go through their extended preseason. Um, but, uh, then yeah, yeah, you got Miami jets bills after that, all, uh, relatively Wimble games. Um, and then, um, you know, two interesting, uh, matchups against Cleveland and Baltimore worth highlighting on the Patriots schedule right before they go into their buy. Um, both Cleveland and Baltimore yeah. will be coming off of buys and have a rest advantage against the Patriots. So uh, that'll be that'll be interesting, you know, with with teams like the the Browns and the and the Ravens kind of coming to to knock off the King with a, a week, an extra week to prepare. It'll be fascinating to see if they can actually hang some L's here on the Pats. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, everything pretty damn easy about this schedule. God, they get a run of Miami Jets Bills. Skins, Giants, Jets. Oh my God, Jesus! This yeah, is even ridiculous. if and they can, I mean, they can punt. They can punt on Cleveland, Baltimore, going to the bye. Freaking, <laughs> freaking seven yeah, and be six two. and three. Yeah, it'll be six and three or seven and two. Yeah. Uh, I even, I think, I think they'll beat Pittsburgh. I'm on a Pittsburgh regression train. I don't. Oh wow, uh, that is a hot take. I just. Uh, is it? We'll save that. Save, I, think, save, save, I think it's. Yeah, I think we'll it's save, divisive. We'll yeah, save it. Save it for a. Oh yeah, that'll be. Just NFC, save it. Keep AFC, all that in the wall. That's a good teaser. That's a professional tease right there. Um, okay, so. Uh, should we? Yeah, should the, we moving down. I should think, we talk about the hellish stretch? Yeah, let's talk about our yeah, next team. Great, the, <laughs> great, great. This segment. is something we went off we, there. We, we talked. We talked a little bit about the um, the London games and the fact that the Bucks and the Raiders have conceded a home game uh, and have to travel to London to play eh, stout opponents. Uh, and that sucks for them. Um, but both of these teams, and we'll start with the Raiders, both of these teams. What if I told you it got worse? Oh, my God. 
oh my God, how could it possibly get worse than giving up a home game and flying halfway across the world to play the Chicago Bears and and uh, and the the Khalil Mack who you traded to them? How could that possibly get well, worse? Well, let's look at. Well, maybe we could use your chart to okay. look at what happens before and after. Okay, let's this go through that travel spot to the UK to play. Let's see, Oakland, Oakland, Oakland. So the weeks before that, ooh, that's not great. That's not great <laughs> so at all. We said a five. We say a five week stretch, but honestly, it's, it's six weeks. They it's go six weeks. Yeah, home. I mean, they, we're going to start with a home game. But sure. This home game is first Kansas City. Week two, Kansas City. Yep, they play Kansas Week City at two. home. Yep, going to play at Minnesota indoors. Okay, decent team. Early, they're lined to be a fringe yep. playoff team. Yep. Early, yep. Indi- at Indianapolis again, indoors, loud crowd, great quarterback, a team we're high on. We were high on last year, and yep. then your third straight road game, which a third straight road game is already hell. Your third straight road game is traveling to play Chicago in freaking Twickenham or wherever. I don't know which one. I think this one is in Wembley. I'm going to have to double check that. But thank God, it, thank God, after all that shit, those four games stretch, you get your bye. Which, to, to start your bye, I mean, if you say the average length of a bye, whatever, 13 days, your bye is also involved in having to travel from the U.K., like you're losing a full day of travel time. You've got the jet lag. Like the first few days of your buy suck to begin with, and then I mean, if you want to, do you want to talk about the the other half? I mean, the, they they not only go into the buy like a lion, but they come out with <laughs> two more road games. I mean, it, this well, is ludicrous. Opponents, that, right? The fact that they're not even the only yeah, they're not even the only team this has happened to. So yeah, Oakland, if they had a weakness, I would say it's everything. They go play two <laughs> tough, tough to defend quarterbacks in Green Bay and Houston, both on the road. This is the shittiest stretch I've seen in uh, and maybe it won't be once we get to Tampa Bay, Jesus Christ. But this is one of the shittiest stretches I've ever seen a schedule give to a team that involved uh, I, a buy. Yeah. There's a buy in there that doesn't even that doesn't even excite me. If I'm a if I'm a Raiders fan, like by the time you get to Week Eight, like you're going to be checked out. If if this team truly lives down to their expectations, doesn't turn out to be that good, this is going to be an absolutely unwatchable stretch. You better oh, hope so they beat bad. Denver Week One. Oh shit. If they don't, you're not talking about re- realistically having a shot to win until when? Week nine, hosting Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. Oh SB Detroit. my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! <laughs> they could. And so let, oh let's let's hypothetically say they're zero and eight. They're zero and eight with games at Kansas City, at the Chargers, and at Denver left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't yeah. wait for Hard Knocks, though. <laughs> oh my God, dude, this is something else. They'll be man. so hopeful. Ooh, ooh. This schedule if for the Raiders is amazing. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's contrast this. No, no, let's pile on here. Tampa Bay. Let's go right into them. Uh, pile on. You, you know, they like like I can't believe you know we've never seen that difficult of a stretch ever that any team has been put through. I, I got to tell you, I mean, and, and actually like, you, you know, you did it justice, but like 
all of the away games that are around that trip to the UK are all 1 p.m. Eastern time starts. <laughs> so they, I mean, oh, I they're for, gonna and I forgot about that. Yeah, they have to play early games as a West Coast team. They're basically going to be have completely body adjusted to the to the, the early time zone by the time they actually come home. Um, so yeah, that that that's insanity. Um, the the Bucks not flying as far, but similar kind of utterly ridiculous travel here. Uh, starting with week four, going to LA. Well, start in week three. Start in week three. They so they're starting in week sure. three at home. This is a winnable game. The Giants aren't supposed to be that good, but I mean they're starting at home and then they move to and they'll let you go from there. Yeah, so fly out to LA, play the Rams. Um, best of luck, Tampa Bay, with good. your pass defense yeah. against that air attack. Uh, and then um, go back to Tampa Bay uh, and then fly down to the Big Easy and play in the Superdome against the Saints. Um, yeah, tough back-to-back there, Rams-Saints. That's that's rough. Um, lo and behold, now you're going to give up your home game and you're going to fly to the UK and you're going to play division rival Carolina Panthers. Uh, and now you get a bye after this. So fly back to Tampa Bay and recover. Uh, and then out of the bye, you're going to fly to Tennessee and play unfamiliar opponent in the Tennessee Titans back to Tampa Bay. Now you're going to fly out to the West coast again and play Seattle. Uh, that stretch is unbelievable. Uh, another six week, five road game stretch. Uh, they will be dogs to double digit dogs in all of those games. Uh, this effectively nukes the Bucks season, would you say? Yeah, I don't think we can make this any more like this part is the, the most important part. Like these are really shitty stretches for teams that are supposed to struggle to begin with, but they have taken away an entire home game from these teams that are already projected to be bad. Like uh, I mean, just going back to the season win total stuff, this is something this a schedule a full schedule autopsy it's not an autopsy because it hasn't happened yet a full schedule examination has to happen too before before you start getting too deep into win totals because that's huge it's 12.5% of your home games are just taken away from a shitty team or two like that yeah. that part is the the whole that's that's the biggest crime in here tampa yeah. bay yeah the, the two teams coming off the bye I don't think will be as tough. Tennessee is always kind of a question mark for me. You just never know. Seattle's still very tough to de- – again, pass defense, good luck. If you can't get to Russell Wilson, then he's he's scrambling around and making me look stupid. But either way, essentially five home – or a five away games in six weeks with a, just a, a shitty buy. Like, it just ruins your buy. Totally right. It's yeah. like taking away your birthday. Yeah, I mean, in the case of the Raiders, the, in case in the case of the Raiders, the buy legitimately fucks them because they have to go from London to Oakland and then back to Green Bay. Like you're legitimately like putting extra miles on your team by not, you know, just having them come back and play. I don't know, like the you know some one of their East Coast games, like the Jets, the week after, right exactly. on the way back to Oakland. You know, yeah. like it's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the both the Raiders and the Bucks are utterly screwed. The Bucks, you know, is interesting because, like, presumably this is, you know, you got to kind of now weave this into a handicap of the team overall. Like, yeah, we're trying out Jameis Winston for a long-term future contract. Like, 
at some point, if you know, if you if you if it if you don't start out two and one with your two home games against the Niners and the Giants and your one road game against Carolina, uh, you're taking five losses. Like I'm I'm pretty I'm feeling reasonable about those, you know, that that stretch being at, at best one and four. Um, and at that point, like I mean, are we keeping Winston? Are if we trying it out the next guy? You know, like, yeah, if, what are you if, doing? If you're out if you're out of the race for the playoffs. If you know, if you now you're in a position where you're looking around, like, okay, well, how many losses does Cincinnati have? How many losses do, does Miami have? Like, are we in a prime position? How, how many losses do the Raiders have? You know, like, are we in prime position oh. here to kind of to try to get the number one overall pick and get a new quarterback and then let Winston find a new team? Like, that's reasonably a conversation that could be happening in Bucks HQ after Week Nine. So, you know, think long and hard about that before getting involved. In oh yeah, and and, and half it, a lot of it will be the media. Oh, of which, course. You know, once once you They're get to that point, this. let's say Absolutely. you're two, you're two and six, one and seven. No one in the you know the headline on ESPN isn't. Oh, the Bucks are two and six, but you know, if we look but back and slowly dissect, <laughs> yeah, we slowly dissect them. what happened in the schedule here. Maybe it's not completely their fault. Like that doesn't get people excited. Like no. people want to hear Arians is on the chopping block already, and Winston's getting run out of town on a rail. Like that's that's the exciting part. Like that, that's not what the media will highlight. They'll highlight they screwed up. This team is toast. They're dead. They don't. They don't highlight that the yeah. fact that you know yeah. they had a really rough stretch and it's not completely their fault. Yeah, and absolutely, truthfully, like absolutely. we we talked off the or we talked it's a little about amplify you know, the looking shit out of this. Looking, looking for spots to start to back a team after a tough stretch, like this is one of those where we can't say right now. Yeah, so we don't no, know. I, what what if they yeah. just say we're benching Winston and God for sake, who is the backup in Tampa? Because I, I know who it isn't anymore. I missed him already. <laughs> it's not Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick is down in uh in Miami now, so it's not Fitz not, yep. not Fitzmagic. It's um I don't know who it is. If you can get the don't look it up. I'm I'm gonna quiz you on this. I'll say Ryan. Oh. No, Blaine Gabbert. Oh shit! Wow. According that, to this, yeah. yeah. Okay. Ooh. Um, so you know, we say you know maybe back a team as the schedule starts to get a little easier, but not if they turn to Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so let me ask you the uh, then. Um, yeah, you painted that picture well about what, how the media will amplify this, and you know Arians should stay retired, and they need to move on from Winston, et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's uh, let's look at let's try to gloss and, and and see some other team where there is a, potentially an opportunity to buy them mid season, in season, uh, and I want to jump to the Packers. Um, Packers start out tough, game at Chicago. Then they host Minnesota. Um, the Minnesota game is interesting in Lambeau. And because they play Chicago on the first Thursday night football game, right out of the bat, they get an extra, some extra rest. Uh, the only issue is in that game, uh, it will be – oh, actually, no, this is actually fascinating. Uh, Green Bay, brand new head coach uh, who has never prepared That's for true. a Thursday, Thursday night game before. 
right? Uh, and actually, he gets a he gets a soft. Um, you know, he he has he has a Thursday night game week one, and then they play again Thursday night week four. Uh, so uh, they get extra time between week one and week two to prepare for Minnesota. Presumably, they you know they they come out looking pretty pretty fine. They get Denver early, and then week four they take on the toughest test, uh, hosting Philly. Uh, and this is three home games in a row for this team. They're going to presumably kind of work through some of their, you know, some of their learning curve with the new coach. Uh, that fourth game at Philly with the the brand new coach on Thursday night football is a, is a classic fade spot. That that is a, that's one of the ones I highlight with bold, flashing, dark, obvious to see color um, when you're playing an opponent uh, who has a rookie head coach on Thursday night football and they don't know how to you know, get their game plan ahead of time to, you know, two weeks in advance and, and they roll out there with a kind of half cocked uh, offensive approach and they're just shooting from the hip and, you know, they, they're playing a, 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 a an experienced coach and, and team and with Phil, you know, Philadelphia Eagles in that situation, that is a death sentence. So um, on top of that, it's the third week in a row that Green Bay is at home. Uh, if they look good in week one and, you know, in the weeks two and three at home, their third week in a row at home, you might see an inflated price on them. Um, and so that's kind of something to keep look out for too. And when a team has an extended stretch at home, uh, there may be an opportunity to sell high on them in a single, in a single game. Um, but then, uh, t- it gets tough for green Bay after their, uh, their Thursday night game, uh, against the, 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 uh, the Eagles, they got to go on the road to Dallas. They got to play Detroit and Oakland coming off of buys. Uh, and then, they got a third rest disadvantage in the road at KC, where KC will have extra rest off their Thursday night football game. Uh, then they got to go on the road again to the play the Chargers. Um, if yeah, the KC LA double, that's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. This is what I want to kind of ask you about the the Packers, and and I, I'm because because there's been pretty clear and obvious kind of sharp folks we've talked to kind of wins in the air of ooh you know don't sleep on the packers this year like they've made the right moves like this could be a dangerous team right here's the problem though like that stretch is tough right where and they're and they are firing a ton of their home games early in the season right and on top of all of this uh they don't have an obvious weather advantage in december in the cold did you notice that the teams that they host in lambo after thanksgiving they only yeah. host two games and it's washington and chicago can't really necessarily see any obvious advantages manifesting there because from the cold oh, that's um, just so you bare weather t- north it's bare weather north you've kind of taken away the frozen tundra home field advantage from these guys late in the season which was surprising uh also fascinating about green bay last two weeks of the season at minnesota at Detroit. Okay. Why is that important? There, if, if you are kind of getting lathered up about the Packers, if you are, you know, see them slinging it weeks two and weeks three in the preseason and you're like LaFleur and Rogers have figured it out. And now that they got rid of McCarthy, this team is going to be, you know, bonkers. Good. They're going to go all the way. Those last two road games in a row present a humongous problem. If they do not win, the NFC North, because that means best case scenario, you're talking about them snagging a wild card 
And then they're going to have to do what the Chargers had to do last year, which eventually unwound the Chargers. Road, 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 road. Road, 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 road. Yeah, eventually, uh, you know, when you have your last two games of the regular season on the road and you're a wildcard team, RIP in peace. Like, it is is over. Uh, And it, you know, this sets up kind of troublesome. You know, this is a troublesome setup here for the Packers. And I'm telling you, like, if you – go through your analysis yourself, you go through your handicap yourself and you've got, you, you've got to the point where you're like, yeah, I like the Packers to be better than people think. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know if they'll win the N- NFC North stop right there because if you don't have a sizable advantage on them winning that division, then they are absolutely screwed come playoff time. They are not winning the NFC. They are not winning the Super Bowl. Would you agree with that? And yeah. that's just because you and there are a the couple of teams like that. And, I don't hate the Packers. That's terrible to say. I will say a couple other teams like that who will be in tight races because, I mean, Bears regression or not, um, I think still Chicago, Minnesota, and Green Bay, I think we'll see a tight race between all three, if not between two of them. Uh, It would be really hard for me to see any one of those three teams run away with the division. So, again, like you said, perfectly frame that if Green Bay has to – slide into a wild card spot. Road, road, road is tough. Uh, New Orleans, same thing. Yes. Kind of seen Carolina Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. If, they, yeah, if they go to, if they, if it, let's say Atlanta, or who knows, you know, Carolina could overachieve. Cam could turn out to be a lot healthier than we think. Road, road, road. That's a super tough path. Um, one we won't mention is Arizona. They have that, but I don't <laughs> think they're making the playoffs. Um, but also Pittsburgh. 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 Close Pittsburgh. At the Jets, at Baltimore. And, um, I mean, Cleveland real trendy. Baltimore from last year. Baltimore, I don't think they've got markedly worse. So if, if Pittsburgh is a decent but not great team and they don't win their division, Road, road, roads. This is, these are things to look at when you're thinking about placing to win the AFC or NFC or to win the Super Bowl futures because, boy, you really need them to win the division or that's such a freaking tough road to hold. Yeah. Hold a road, road to hoe. You said yeah. it. Road to hoe. Uh, same with um, the and then, uh, you know, Another one, Raiders, Oakland. Man. Oakland, yeah. We're not, we're not throwing <laughs> Oakland in there. Oakland and Arizona are thrown out of that oh, equation. God. How about Raiders having basically six weeks in a row on the road and then also having their last two games of the season on the road? That's like freaking impossible. Um, although, by the way, it should be worth noting, the very last ever game in Oakland by the Raiders will be uh, hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars week 15. Um, so you can kiss the Coliseum goodbye uh, right before Christmas there. Um in uh, maybe what might be the Raiders' only legit shot at a win all season. <laughs> so, with that, um, any other specific uh, teams or situations you think we need to do a little bit more, a little better job highlighting? I guess there's there's one other one that I thought was interesting. Um, Philadelphia got some tough spots. Uh, they are actually the aside from the Raiders and the uh, and the and the Bucks who have some absolutely brutal games. Oh, freaking! the Raiders have another brutal spot. They got to play Andy Reid coming off the bye. What, 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 who did this to the Raiders? This schedule is unbelievable. Week 13, they got to play Kansas City coming off the bye. Not only is it their second week in a row on the road, uh, but it's uh, it's an early game in KC. I, I mean, what, what did they even open that line at? It's going to be KC minus 16. I mean, that that's that, that's... Who's going to be the, gonna be the, be the number one year. pick in the draft next year? 
Who, who um, are we projecting to be number one next year? Because, I mean, it's two I years in no Clemson, clue. kid. I have no clue. Yeah, like, what? Herbert did, did, from did the league set that up where Oakland, Oakland gets Herbert and... And moves to Vegas. Yeah, and moves to Vegas? Suit. Like, is that, yeah. the, is that the... Yeah, where's our, our tinfoil here? Yeah, West Coast kid <laughs> heads to yeah. Oakland, playing in the desert, fun fun offense. Yeah. Because, yeah, they, they're setting them up, up for the one... They're for the number one pick. That that adds up, man. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we'll we'll move on from the Raiders. But uh, the um, uh, aside from Sorry, the aside from those spots we talked about, uh, the Eagles have a tough spot, um, and Philadelphia uh, has the only true three in a row road games at Minnesota, at Dallas, at Buffalo. Did you see that? weeks uh six seven eight yeah that's a tough stretch it's a really tough stretch um at minnesota at dallas are going to be extremely competitive games um and then presumably you get an opportunity to steal a little value with the bills pulling off an upset on that third third straight roadie um because then they'll potentially be looking ahead to chicago week nine uh, you know, that that little four-game swing right there for the Eagles is going to tell us a lot about that team uh, and how many wins they're going to be able to pull out of that four-game swing there. Um, and that actually yeah. kind if of... They, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not bullish on Buffalo, but if they go 1-1 one and one or 2-0 and oh against Minnesota-Dallas, I'll probably have Buffalo no matter what the points are. Yeah. Give me oh, Buffalo oh, plus yeah. six. I'd take it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. For sure. And it'll be better. Spe- yeah. Hopefully Especially, Buffalo's bad. That's a hopefully that bad. Um, uh, the oh, what uh, was the one I highlighted? What was the one I highlighted before? Um, maybe it was Buffalo in some other situation. Do, 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 do. Uh, Buffalo got screwed. What, well, you what was the one I, I said? You know, you know what I noticed overall. What um, did you notice? There's a lot of there's a lot of cold weather teams that are not getting cold weather games at the end of the season this year like it's o- almost always my one of the very the very last thing i do in my schedule analysis is go through all the dome teams go through all the warm weather teams and look at their month of december and just laugh at thinking about ah ha, ha, the you know the jags got to go play the bills on january 1st right you know like like that that kind of situation those kind of you know set up uh, I just I laugh at those because it's uh, it always is it tilts in the advantage of the the cold weather team right and but you know the Bills got screwed in that regard um, they're only two uh, their only home games after Thanksgiving are Denver Baltimore and the Jets they don't get a dome team they don't get a warm weather team um, the Falcons they don't play any uh, cold weather and they barely play outdoors. This is one of the weirder schedules I've seen in a long time. Did you see this? Falcons are indoors until week 11. <laughs> they don't play outdoors until they're at Carolina week 11. Uh, and then their only other outdoor games are at San Francisco and at Tampa Bay. Uh, so your dome team Falcons are going to have a lot of controlled environment games, which is kind of scary in terms of the offense they're going to be able to put up. Well, I'm piling um, on. <laughs> I'm, I'm all in. New offensive coordinator. Crazy oh, that's man. a weird quirk. We've we've How we've found some weird quirks, and we had we had one of these last year, but it I don't think it was eleven freaking weeks long. That is, I mean, ten really. But yeah, they're away. They're away games. They have four away games, all of domes. and four home games, all yeah. in domes, and then they come off the bye, 
to play in a dome. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And uh, they get to host Thanksgiving night. They get to host the Saints, uh, presumably for the division week 13. I mean, that, that, I, I'm, this has got me hot on the Falcons, really. Um, and, you know, it's, their, their schedule's balanced otherwise. There's really not a lot of bad spots on this thing. Um, the, yeah, but the cold weather thing was wild. None of the Dome teams really have to go out and face cold weather. The only team that does is Miami. <laughs> Miami got screwed, too. I don't know why they're doing this to the bad teams. Like, this is kind of setting up for the good to be good and the bad teams. Right, so if you want to tank, let's help. <laughs> let's help. They, they got to go back-to-back weeks in New York, uh, week 14 and week 15, at the Jets, at the Giants, and then they got to go at New England week 17. Um, they're at Cleveland week 12. So basically the entire, you know, the entire last six weeks of the season, they're in cold, windy weather without a quarterback who can necessarily, you know, sling it down the field, uh, for four out of those six weeks. And then, oh, by the way, your home games, you get one of them, you get to host Philly. So the, you know, the, 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 uh, the dolphins are set up for a late season swoon if I've ever seen it. Um, that looks absolutely brutal. Um, one and five written all over it down the home stretch for those guys. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, the other other key stuff. Uh, you know, I'm sure you'll you'll be able to pull out pull out of this. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, I kind of go through this every year, looking at okay, Thursday night football to the following week, you have a 10 day rest window. Uh, and while we know the market captures bye weeks, we know the market, you know, the openers probably reflect the buy reasonably well. Um, I have not seen the same hold true for the added rest that comes along with Thursday night football. Um, and you know, right off the top of my head, I could think of a handful of situations where that was kind of the only angle I had on playing a game. That was the only advantage, you know, otherwise the line was perfect, uh, you know, until I made a small tweak to account for, you know, the extra rest that comes along with the Thursday night football bonus. And, um, that was kind of the distinguishing factor and it turned into a win. Uh, have you had that same sort of experience? I was just, you, I mean, you, you beat me to it. I was just going to say it almost needs to be combined with something else. Like okay. if you can take that and combine it with another angle, even a, even maybe you a angle on the weaker side of things, I feel like then it's then it's it turns into a play. If in a lot of these, if, if you get two things combined, and uh, you know if if you're listening to this after we got the charts up and you can see it, we have some of those. Some of these are multiple condition games where you have. You know, uh, you're playing in London and the team, or in Mexico and the teams off Thursday night football. Yeah, I guess they both are. Well, what? No one is. Um, I mean, there, there's just a few like that. Like one, a, a team is off the bye, and you're playing your second road game, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Jacksonville is playing against Tennessee on the road, second straight road game, and Tennessee's off their bye. Like if you can get a yeah. double banger like that. That's where I think some of these situational things are actionable, whereas a lot of these are. You know, we don't want to we don't want to put too much excitement in your belly. So, like, hey, I'm just <laughs> gonna look at these situational spots and make my bets based on that. A lot of these are just ways that we use to to look at the market, and I think a lot of it it helps me realize why the market's doing something or why an opener is a certain way just because maybe my power numbers disagree slightly. And then you look, they're like, yeah, 
maybe they did make a slight adjustment for this. The fact that it's like a second or third straight road game, team with a little extra rest, you know, maybe they're forced to put a half point on that. So I think a lot yeah. of it comes down to just helping you read the market. And I don't know if we can stress that enough. Maybe that will that be the CLV was last year's theme. This year will be trying to read the market closer. Yeah, I think so. That sounds fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally want to know, you know, want to see what market action is influenced by the narratives that are spun widely and, you know, and try to kind of get a sense of uh, how that affects prices because you know that was clearly something that i noticed as the season wore on last year paying attention to this sort of thing and i think that would be valuable yeah, keep track um, of that too keep track yeah. of what the talking heads are saying not us yep. but the, the other ones on the big <laughs> tv channels the bad ones, what, the whatever they're ones. talking about if because if, if they if if you're hearing about it from i'm not going to name names but i mean what you would consider a square uh, media outlet or a media outlet that's a little naive as far as betting and they're just trying to shoehorn it in. If they're talking about it, it's baked into the line. Oh yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's them's a fact. Yep. I agree with you. Um, you know, it was kind of funny. Um, there, I was looking for this this year because I was like, this is a banger of a situation that no one talks about. And they specifically didn't set it up. There's two of them that they don't exist this year on the schedule. Like they legitimately were like, ah, we're not going to do that to these teams. One of them was the combining uh, off of Thursday night versus opponent off of Monday night. You remember that one? There was a couple of those, those were two good. years ago. Those were last year. None of those this year, yeah, those uh, which were, was disappointing. Those were a play. Also, no team that's playing on Thursday night football is also on a back-to-back roadie for that spot. How wild is that? Like every team that goes and travels for Thursday night football is coming off a home game, which I think, uh, you know, in years past, some of the tilting in favor of home teams on Thursday night football against the spread, in my opinion, was based on a lot of those situations. You had a team that was also happened to be on the back to back. um, And so they were just absolutely exhausted. Right. But they've done away with that entirely. So I think, that if anything in my head, that probably means the market's going to overreact and bet the home over bet the home teams on Thursday night football. What do you think of that theory? Uh, I mean, yeah, especially you get the trend, the trend crowd. You know, that they're just looking at trends. The trend crowd starts looking at that, and they decide that uh, they should be wagering on these home teams because they've done so well, and they don't really look at this and see the the adjustment that's been made. Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's for sure a thing. That might be a play on. If we can combine <laughs> that with a, another angle. I, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so that's definitely something we keep an eye on. We yeah, have like a this. long okay. list of things to keep an eye on. Oh, yeah. We're going to be keeping eyes on everything. We'll, be, we'll keep our eye on things. <laughs> We're going to keep long some eyes on things. Long story short. Um, okay. Well, uh, I don't think that we really need to belabor any of these other things here. This is all kind of pretty well trodden, um, you know, adverse travel. No, I want, I uh, want you, the listener to take a look at these charts, which we're going to post with this stuff and see if you can find some quirks yeah, help or us add to this. rough spots, easy patches or, or yeah, I mean, can you just do some of my NFL handicapping for me? 
please. And take care of this. But it'd be interesting. I just I just yeah, like yeah. to I like the interaction. If you find oh, something sure. quirky or fun or there's a, a rough or easy patch in the schedule we missed, you know, hit us up for sure. I'd, Absolutely. Uh, love um okay, it. question question for you. Um real quick. Uh oh yeah, there was yeah, one other one I wanted to hit on and then we'll wrap. Uh again, you know, I was looking for a lot of these and there's just not that many. Uh I remember I always love a West Coast team traveling east playing in primetime, right? Like that's a huge, that's a, a body clock advantage yeah. spot for the West Coast team. Uh, and if you exclude the Raiders who are stupid and you look over like the last 10 years, like it's wild how much overperformance you see from the West Coast teams playing in the primetime spot. Um, there's only one of those this year. Happens week three, Rams at the Browns. Uh, so hopefully the Rams look bad week one and week two, uh, which I don't think is crazy. They're playing the, they're at Carolina in a damn early spot. And then they're, uh, then they're hosting the New Orleans saints in a rematch of the, the poor PI call in the NFC title game. Uh, so hopefully the Rams are own too, and you get a little value to back them in Cleveland with, uh, with everything going their way to get their first win of the season in week three. Um, so have that one circled. <sighs> Should we wrap? I think so. I think we did a great job. Okay. That was a good one. All right. Good stuff. Uh, enjoy this guys. Enjoy the, the, enjoy the, um, the, the schedule, uh, with all the pretty colors. And, uh, again, of course, please listen to, you know, I'll, I'll repeat Andy's, um, uh, request there. Get in, get in touch with us. If you have some other, uh, specific, you know, thoughts or angles that we haven't covered that isn't reflected on the sheet that you think are at least worth keeping an eye on. If not, Oh, by the way, I back tested this and it accounts for one standard deviation off expected performance year over year for over a sample size of like 45. That's what we really want. <laughs> That's what we're really trying to get after after with all of this. So uh, if you have one of those and you'll be willing to share it, you know, we'll, we'll keep it between friends. Um, and uh Yeah. Enjoy the rest of the uh, the enjoy some training camp news, which is coming in hot and heavy, and uh, and we'll be back to uh, uh, to change gears a little bit on Monday. So should be fun. <laughs>